Amen. What a great song and a great reminder of examining who we are when we look at a song that says, It is well with me. I know many of us struggle with that every day, and I think sometimes in some of our upbringings, we ask ourselves, you know, is it well? Am I good in my life? Am I good with who I am? And is it well with me? If you have your Bible, I want you to take it, if you would, please. We're going to do our Bible decree. And here at New Hope, we do our Bible decree every week because we're thankful for the Word. So if you have it on your, your iPad or your iPhone, you can also grab that as well. So let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's Holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. And I hope that just doesn't become something that's old and traditional and old uh, for you. I hope that every week it's just a reminder to each and every one of us the newness and freshness of Jesus Christ and His Word. We just want to say much love to moms everywhere. And we are so grateful that... uh, You've joined us today, and I've asked my wife to come up and just read uh, an excerpt of Mother's Day. And what is a mom? Who is she? How does she uh, demonstrate her qualities to you? And so, if you would please, this is my wife, Becky. Happy Mother's Day. To those who have gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we grieve with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk this difficult journey with you. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we are grateful for you. To those who have warm and close relationship with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we share hope with you. To those who lost their mother this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we commend you for your strength in rising above. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better people for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we wait with anticipation for your big day. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. Thank you for loving someone else's child as your own. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not, not to be, we mourn the heaviness with you that your heart must feel. To those who are seeing their mother slip into an unknown world of forgetting who they are, we sympathize with you. To those who will have empty nest in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you, mostly rejoice. (laughs) To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember with you how you held that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new little life, Both expected and surprising, we anticipate another miraculous miracle given to you by our great God. Amen. 
This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you all. Women are a special gift from God. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. Thank you, honey. We're going to go right into the scriptures this morning. I've been doing a, a series of messages. We started out with generational curses, generational blessings, and this week, pressing on and believing for more. Pressing on and believing for more. And this Mother's Day, there's many moms that they think that they've arrived. They are mom of the year. They get the blue ribbon of blue ribbons. The trophy sits on the mantle. But the question I want to ask each and every one of you moms, where is it that you could change? What could you do to become a greater, godlier woman? A wonderful mother. And instead of looking at, well, I'm this way because I'm going to challenge you today to press on, to stretch to the next level, to go places, as Buzz Lightyear has said, places you've never seen or been before. Do you realize that mothering is not just a mom of overseeing just your bloodline? I believe a mother for many is mentoring those that are underneath you. And if you have the great privilege of mentoring, I want you to know that it's a great privilege and pleasure and honor to be able to do that. What a great honor it is to be able to demonstrate and exhibit the love of Christ to other people. Again, what great privilege that we have. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 has been the highlight of our text over the last couple weeks. And here's what the Scriptures have to say in the latter part. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting, punishing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Verse 6, it says, But showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Moses had made it clear that the children were not punished for their sins of their parents. But children would feel the impact of breaches of God's law by their parents' generation as a natural consequence of their disobedience. And I want you to see what the Scripture has to say. So if you'll take your Bible and turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 19 through 32. Ezekiel chapter 18 Verses 19 through 32. And here we see that there's the justice that is seen of a righteous God. And we begin to read in verse 19 where it says, What, you ask, doesn't the child pay for the parent's sins? No. For if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, the child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parents' sins, and the parents will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished 
for their own wickedness. Verse 21. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey by decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. And their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. In verse 23 it says, Do you think that I like to see the wicked people die, says the Sovereign Lord? Of course, of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten and they will die for their sins. In verse 25, yet you say the Lord isn't doing what's right. Listen to me, O people of Israel. Am I the one doing what's right or is it you? When righteous people turn from their righteous behavior and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds. And if wicked people turn from their wickedness, obey the law and do what is just and right, they will save their own lives. They will live because they thought it over and decided to turn from their sins. Such people will not die. And yet people of Israel keep saying, the Lord isn't doing what's right. O people of Israel, it is you who are not doing what's right, not I. Now we're in verse 30. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the sovereign Lord. Repent, repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Turn back. And live. The nation of Israel had the great opportunity to continue to do right. And amazing that they wandered for 40 years in the desert. And they were just around the corner from where they were going, where their destination was at. And if we're going to stretch up and press on to the next level, listen, it's right around the corner if you'll embrace it. If you'll understand your bloodline. Many of us have excuses. It was great this past week to have Angel with us. She gave her testimony here at New Hope for Recovery. If you're able to see it on Facebook, that's great. And if you plugged in that day, that's awesome. But she had a choice to make. And the choice was to live righteously or live in iniquity. She knew who she was in Christ, but the temptation was still strong. She said, I grew up in Hartville, Ohio. She understood her bloodline. But she understood just the strong hold that was on iniquity in her life, which took her down a road of hell as a young woman. Sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. And if you allow it to become a stronghold in your life, it will lock you, strap you, tie you down, and you will never be as effective as you could be. You'll never reach your full potential. You'll never get to the destination that God has for you if you stop pressing on in Jesus' name. God loves you. And He cares for you. And I realize that, as you've heard me say through the previous messages, that the bloodline is so strong. Oh, be careful, church. Be careful. I have to be careful. 
I know what is part of my ancestors, part of my ancestral bloodline, the family tree. We have to be careful. And so I esteem you moms if you have stopped that curse. If you said, get behind me, Satan, for today I will worship the Lord thy God and only Him shalt thou serve. I will stop every wicked thing that was ever in my life because this day forward, I'm going to bring victory and life and abundance into my family. Isn't that awesome? We truly start to believe everything everybody tells us. And it's a lie straight from hell. Satan wants to trip us up. Satan wants to keep us in bondage. But church, today is your day of victory. Mom, today is your day of victory. Confess it, let it go, and let God do a great work in your life. You see, back in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, what did they do? They hid. In the cool of that day, God came to them and said, Adam, Eve, where are you? They said, God, we're hiding because we're naked. I love the way that God answered them when He said, Adam, who told you that you were naked? In other words, who told you that something was wrong with you? God immediately knew the enemy had been talking to them. God is saying to you today, God is saying to us today, who told you that you don't have what it takes to succeed? Who told you that the best grades you could make in school would be C's rather than A's? Who told you that you are not attractive enough to succeed in your personal relationship or talented enough to flourish in your career? Who told you that your marriage is never going to last? Who told you that something was wrong with you? You see, when the Scriptures say, when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. The Bible also says you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. You have a treasure inside of you. You have a gift. And you are valuable to God. Break the curse of the bloodline and realize that God Almighty is doing a work inside of you. Man, this is a message that you can already tell. I I think I find myself in, in a... And a little bit of excitement because I love teaching people and, and encouraging people to move on. Keep going and going and going and going. Listen, we don't have to bask in what was. We get to bask in the glory of Jesus Christ and what is to become. That is who our God is. We started out saying our God is greater, our God is stronger. He's our everlasting God. Are you stretching to the next level? Are you content where you're at. I'm not. I'm going to let the world know that I am 50 years old and I'm proud of it. And I have 50 more years to go. I have to change. I want to go up. I want to believe for more. I want to press on. I want to go to the next level. God isn't done with me yet. And we can't believe that God is done with you yet. Because He's not. We have to change. Listen, in your workplace, you don't have to stay where you're at. Believe that you are a child of the Most High God. That He is going to take you places you've never gone before. And I mean that. You have to believe it. To receive it. 
Do you do that today? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, we come before you today, and Lord, we just thank you for your word, and I pray that you'll take us to the next level of where you want us to go. God, I know that there's many that are suffering today with a hurt, with a pain, with a hang-up, an addiction. Maybe they have a severe habit. In the name of Jesus, I release that from their life. Today they were struggling, but right now they're finding freedom and victory in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray that you'll help them to take it one day at a time, but to rise up, press on, and stretch to the next place that you have for them. You said you'll never leave us nor forsake us because you love us and you care for us. And, God, we are thankful that we can come to you, that we can lean on you, that we can trust in you, and you will guide, direct our every step. And so, Father, today we trust that your word will be spoken and that each and every one of us will be encouraged by your word. Thank you for your people today. Lord, we glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So again, we saw, we looked at Exodus chapter 20. We realized what it said and Moses made it clear to the children of Israel. The children were now punished for the sins of their parents. But children would feel the impact of breaches of God's law by their parents' generation as a natural consequence of their disobedience. A natural consequence of their disobedience. How many would say the phrase, I want to give my children a better life than what I had? I think everybody says that. I want to give my children a better life than what I had. Then why aren't you? Why haven't you? Let's embrace it. Speak it. Get excited about it. There's so much potential that has been locked inside of you that is just ready, willing, and waiting to explode outside of you. But we have a tendency, because of our past, to lock it in there. To keep it captive. To keep it in bondage. Many of you are a success in your workplace. Don't just be a success in your workplace. Be a success at your marriage and in your home and with relationships. Work at it. Be strong at it. On the opposite, when we read bumper stickers that say, I'm spending my children's inheritance, we've either placed either a positive or a negative within the minds of our children. We've got to stop that. Too many people are living far below their potential. They have many gifts and talents and so much more going for them, but they've gotten comfortable, settled where they are, and lately become too easily satisfied. Our potential has been put in us by our manufacturer. Our potential has been put in us by our manufacturer, our creator, Almighty God. Psalms 139.14, whether we use it does not diminish it, but does impact our future. You see, the events of your past do not reduce your potential. The events of your past do not reduce your potential. 
Just because of the chaos in your past does not mean that you can, you have to stop right there. Listen to me, mom. Listen to me, child. Listen to me, dad. Listen to me, son, daughter. You can move on. Growing up, I used to love, oh, how I loved. Mom's not here. She's back from Florida. Not doing well today. Mom's been dealing with a lot of anxiety in her heart. And, you know, some of us kids have anxiety because, again, that's part of our generational DNA. So that's real. And that's Tracy and Ron aren't here. And uh, they ended up taking her to the hospital. So keep her in your prayers. And uh, I know that for her, she's been dealing with the same thing that uh, Pat and Allie deal with uh, racing hard. And I'm, I'm hoping they'll get this in control. But. I don't know what the name of it is. They do. But, you know, keep her in your prayers as this has been something that has alarmed her. But I used to remember as a little boy, you know, there was nothing like a living room that was just ordained, anointed, blessed with one big eight foot box that was like a casket but didn't sound like a casket. It was amazing. It had an 8-track in it, and it had a record player in it. And when you popped that 8-track in there, you could sing songs like Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree and uh, some of the old stuff. I used to remember my mom singing, Somewhere over the rainbow. It was, it was wonderful. But you know what, what I noticed? With that big 8-foot box... Not only was there music coming out of that box, there was a woman that would sit right next to that box. And all of us kids would join around that box. And we would listen to our mom sing better than Patsy Cline, better than Judy Garland. Maybe I'm kind of partial, but my mom was blessed and she had a gift of singing. And so she placed a song within our heart. And that song has kept... All of us together, think about it. Today, you witnessed my daughters on this platform because before they were born, I decided to do something my mom did. She always sang. And so before they were born, I would sing to my daughters when my wife was carrying them in her womb. And so I would sing and I would sing and I would turn on. Now from this time, we went from the 8-track to the cassette. <laughs> so we were stepping up in the world. We went from the eight-foot box, and now we're down to... Come on, remember when Toshiba came out with... I mean, it was like this big, two speakers. Yeah, the boom boxes and all kinds of great things. I mean, come on. We are going back in time, and it was glorious. And uh, so anyhow, you know, so we went to that. And so I started singing to the girls. And it was amazing to me because we had read something somewhere that said... Your daughters will hear the tone of your voice and they will understand you. So it was, it was exciting to, to be in the room of the birth. I was there for every one of my girls. And it was an amazing moment. We even have it on tape because they would come into this world just screaming bloody murder. Why do, why do they do that? Because they feel a sense of, you know, they're out of the womb where they were squeezed in there like a sardine. I don't know. I'd be like shouting. I know I came out running and like, praise Jesus. 
Well, and then that was my mom crying because she didn't know she was having twins. As big as she was, they only thought she had one. And the doctor looked at her and said, "Uh uh-oh, we have another one coming. Hello, America! Here I am! (laughs) What I really did was I kicked my twin sister right out of there. I told her, I said, I'm sick and tired of you taking up so much space in my room. And that was the last time she was ever in my bedroom. I was like, you're out, girl. You're done. I'm kicking you. No, actually what happened was this. You know, I was just a gentleman and I said ladies first. Okay, let me get back on point here. So, you know. Uh, with that being said, so we're back in the surgery room. And uh, we're at the hospital. And I'll never forget those little baby girls coming out. And I would walk over. And as gently as I could, the nurse was wiping them off and cleaning them up. And I would say, hello, beautiful. It's Daddy. And we have videotaped those girls stopped immediately. Not another squawk. Their, their little head would turn and they would listen. You see, that was the importance of understanding my role in their life. And from that day forward, I would make up songs for every one of the girls. How many of you remember this song? And when Caitlin was born, I would sing, Katie, beautiful Katie, you're the only girl that dad adores. Whenever the moon shines over the mountain, I'll be sitting at the kitchen door. She's not a Katie, but I always changed it to Caitlin. We never called her Katie. And then I loved singing songs like Skin a Marinky Dinky Dink, Skin a Marinky Doo. I love you. Now the girls are like, oh, I just can't wait to get away from dad because he's crazy. No. I say all that to say this the events of your past do not reduce your potential. But the events of my daughter's past, I hope that increases their potential, that they press on, that they stretch to the next level, that it was my responsibility, my role, even though I, my mom sang to me as a little boy, that I can continue to keep that legacy on for my daughters and my children. And I love that when we're at home, we'll oftentimes, if we say something, we'll say, let's do that in harmony. And then we all just start singing at the dining room table. And so sentences become music in our house. But you know what? That was a legacy that began with my mom. She put that song in our heart. I want you to say this with me today. Say, I am anointed. I am creative. I am talented. I am successful. I have the favor of God. People do like me. I am a victor and not a victim. I'm a winner. And not a whiner. Isn't that amazing? Some say, well, I'm still a whiner. Well, you're not today. You're moving past that. There was uh, a young man who came to me for advice. He had tolerated an abusive relationship for years in which he was repeatedly told, you can't do anything right. You're so slow. You're not even attractive. You're not an athlete. You'll never make anything of yourself. After hearing that for so long, it had totally beaten him down physically, emotionally, spiritually. 
He had no joy left, little confidence, and extremely low self-esteem. I told him, what I'm telling you, oh, hold on a minute. Your value, your gifts, and talents have been put in you by Almighty God. And it doesn't matter what anyone else has spoken over you. The good news is, God has the final authority. He says you have a treasure on the inside. He says you have a gift. He says you are valuable. You've got to quit playing that old tune and put on a new one. Skin of Marinka. No, not really. You need to be dwelling on thoughts like, I am creative. I am talented. I am valuable. I have a bright future. My best days are still out in front of me. Because dwelling on negative thoughts about yourself will keep you from becoming all God has created you to be. Who told you that something was wrong with you? Who told you that something was wrong with you? And church, I want you to understand, those lies come straight from the enemy. You need to reject those ideas and discover what God says about you. I've had people come to me and say, well, preacher, I don't ever believe that I'll get this promotion. Well, who told you that? Because you see, in Psalms 31.3, it says this. No good thing will he withhold. Sorry, Psalms 37.3. When you walk uprightly. What? I, I don't think I'll ever get married. I haven't had a date in so long. I don't think I'll ever find someone who would love me for who I am and with whom I would be compatible. In Psalms 37, 4, it says, when you delight yourself in him, he will give you the what? The the desires of your heart. Well, I don't think I could ever be in management. I don't think I could be a leader. Well, Philippians 14, I mean, I'm sorry, Philippians 4, 13, God says you can do all things through Christ. The potential is inside of you. It doesn't change just because you don't believe it or just because you've been through some negative experience in the past. It has been deposited in you permanently from the creator of the universe. And the scripture says in Romans eleven twenty nine, God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. That means God is never going to take back the potential that he has poured into you. Amen? He's never going to say, I'm tired of dealing with you. You're tired of and failed too many times. I'm over you. You've made so many mistakes. Let me just have those gifts back. Know those gifts and the calling on your life will be with you till the day you leave this earth. But it's up to you to decide whether you tap into them and use them or not. The Lord just laid something on my heart, literally, right now. And I'm going to speak something into the life of a pastor and into a man. And I want this pastor to know that even though your church might be closing in Cleveland, Ohio, greater things are ahead. Even though through this pandemic, things are, you might feel like you have failed in so many ways. Press on, my brother. Stretch on. Greater things are ahead. You are valuable. You are talented. You are gifted. And in your church, God is going to do something for you in Talmadge, Ohio, that you never thought would ever happen before. So, brother, I want you to receive it today. God is on your side. He is fighting your battles for you. And he loves you. So embrace it. And if you only knew that even in the midst of this valley, that he is the lily of the valleys and he cares for you. Listen, church, God cares for us and he wants us to press on. The enemy keeps telling us that we are not of value, that we're not worth it. 
We don't have to believe that any longer. We can move on. In John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman at the well in Samaria. We know this story and we don't have to turn there. And he asked her for a drink of water. She was surprised because back then the Jews did not have anything to do with the Samaritans. Not at all. She said, how can you ask me for a drink? Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman thought that Jesus was talking about literal water. She said, sir, you don't even have anything with which to draw water from. You don't have a bucket. And you have to understand the well is so deep. How can you possibly give me water? And I wonder how many times God tells us that he wants to do something great in our lives. That we are going to be healthy. That we're going to be prosperous. That we're going to be good. That we're going to be well and are going to get out out of debt. We feel it strongly, but like the woman at the well, we start thinking about what we don't have and all the obstacles that are in our path. And before long, we've talked ourselves out of God's best blessings for us. That could never happen to me. I don't have the education. I don't have the talent. I don't have the discipline. I'll never break this addiction. I'll never accomplish my dreams. No, you must quit looking at what you don't have and start believing that all things are possible. Amen? Now, let me just share something with you. If we bask in what was, and we submerse ourselves in what was, we'll never press on to where God is taking us to. Oh, What are you trying to say, Pastor? Well, let me just give you a few illustrations. You are sitting in this building. Folks are listening on Facebook because of what God has done. I'll give you an example. We started the church at 2510 4th Street on a deck. And all I heard from people is that you'll never do it. You'll never make it. You'll never do it. It'll never happen. Well, I had a choice. I could submerse myself in the it will never, or I will bathe myself, shower myself, and say, oh, it will happen, because you see, I'm on the winning team. And his name is Jesus. He's my coach. He's my manufacturer. He's my creator. He is Almighty God. And He wants to see people saved, lives changed, and people freed from where they were and to where they're going. So we had that church there. We went to Broad Boulevard at the YMCA. And I'll make this quick. That day when I walked in the building, the lady looked at me and she said, That's bizarre that you're here to talk about this building. We were praying in our meeting today that God would bring us somebody to hold church services in this building. Hold on a minute. Did you hear that? When I kept hearing, oh, it won't happen. You'll never make it. Oh, you're not good enough. At one point, I started to believe it. Because you see, the enemy is always telling us that we have no value. But you have all the value that you need. That's what's so cool. Yes, I know that the anger gets the best of us. And I know things have said and we've we've thrown stuff around. We're human beings. But let's try hard to, to, to unlock 
the good things that are in us, instead of destroying people, let's pour into people and bring out something positive versus negative. We went to the Core Cultural Center right after that. I mean, we're moving. This is all under nine months. We outgrew the YMCA. We went to the Core Cultural Center in Cuyahoga Falls on Grant Street. The lady looked at me and said, you'll never move in this building. We've never rented this spot. And I said, do you know who my creator is? Do you know who I am? I'm a big deal. I'm a child of the Most High God. Really? Why do people always limit? When somebody tells you no, you keep going and going and going. You know what I look at myself? You know what I, what I, I'm like, I put everything into a cartoon figure. You're going to love this. What cartoon figure are you? I want to be like Thomas the train. Yep. And I want to be the train, that little engine that could and that should, that would, and he did. Because here's what he did. I think I can. 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 I know I can. I know I can. And, and finally, he got up that hill over that mountain because he knew he could. So when I looked at that lady at the Core Cultural Center, I was that little engine in my mind. I'm like, okay, Todd, you've got this. Jesus is controlling this big engine. He is the provider. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's light in the darkness. Oh, church, that's my God. That's who he is. We are so caught up in what we can't do instead of what we should be doing. You're at church today. It's a great day to be with family. Some are with moms today and grandmas, and some are just reflecting. But I want you to know that you're here today, and I hope that you can be encouraged to say, I'm going to be better than I've, I've ever been before. I'm pressing on, and I'm believing for more in my life. Every time we'd move, somebody would say, Well, that ain't going to happen. You can't do that. That's never going to happen. If I listened to the nevers my whole life, we wouldn't be where we're at. Seriously. How many people have told you, oh, it'll never work out in that relationship. And now you're married for 40 years. There's always going to be somebody. The enemy's always going to trip you up, break you down, and spoil your bushel, your basket of good apples. But you have to remember that God is for you. He's, He's not against you. He's here to win this battle on this earth for you. In this pandemic, no matter what happens, we're already on the winning team. Glory, hallelujah. We've received our trophy when Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. Well, we went to the Court Cultural Center. They said that'll never happen. We were, and put it down in history, the first church to ever hold services in their little auditorium. Not the auditorium, the What's that called? Reception room. I liked it because it had a stage, and, and they even set it up for us. Then after that, we went to 1157 Riverside Drive, and there was once in the day a pastor that would say, I wouldn't go to that church. He'll never make it. I wouldn't go to that church. He'll never make it. I'll never go to that. Listen, why are, pe- why are people so negative? Why, why don't we just rejoice in where we're going? I just don't understand. Nine months into a church building, 
Nine months as a community. One year anniversary, we ended up at 1157 Riverside Drive. We celebrated 14 wonderful years on Riverside Drive. And I started believing, what is going on? We'll never get in here. And the pastor even said, and the board, we will not do a land contract at 1157 on River. We're selling this building. And guess what God did? He gave us a land contract. Because that's how big our God is. If we're pressing on and we're going, I don't know where we're going to be. And then God said all of a sudden, the pastor moves out, he closes the door, and 226 and 206 Southeast Avenue in Talmadge, Ohio opens up, and he gives us a million dollar property for $125,000. Who does that? Oh, that's right. God does that. The way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. Yep, that's my God. That's who he is. And if somebody is telling you, you won't make it, you'll never get to where you're going. You look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. Seriously, I'm living proof. I stand here behind this pulpit on the coolest gray carpet and the coolest shiplap in any sanctuary in the northeast United States. We're always pressing on. Even Satan through this pandemic said, I'm going to keep the church doors closed. Well, guess what? We found a way when there was no way. We said, we're going live. People are going to get the word in their homes. And maybe for some, they've never had the word in their homes. But I hope that today you're finding healing through Jesus. I took a step of faith. And God has taken me places. I've never dreamed of. He can do the same thing for you. Don't get stuck in a rut in your attitude, your career, your marriage. You have incredible potential within you. Much more than you may even realize. God is not limited to the laws of nature. He can do what human beings cannot do. The key is to get your eyes off your problems and onto your God. The key is... To get your eyes off problems and on to your God. When God puts a dream in your heart, it may look impossible in the natural. Every voice may tell you it will never happen. You'll never break the addiction. You'll never accomplish your dreams. You will never, ever, ever, ever be happy. But if you will believe and stay in faith and expect good things, you too can defy the odds. I love this, and I've used this illustration a couple times. There was a famous tightrope walker who comes from a family of seven generations of circus entertainers. The question was asked, what is the key to walking on the tightrope? You make it look so easy when you do it. And he said, the secret is to keep your eyes fixed on where you are going. You never look down. Where your head goes, that's where your body is going to. You see, if you look down, there's a good chance you will fall. So you always have to look to where you want to be. Amazing, isn't it? It's the same principle in life. Some people are always looking back, focused on their hurts and pains. Other people are looking back or looking down, living in self-pity and complaining 
that life is not fair. The key to rising higher is to keep looking to where you want to go. Dream big dreams. Don't focus on where you are today. Keep a positive vision and see yourself accomplishing your goals and fulfilling your destiny. I love when I walk in this church. There is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Seriously, you can come in and nobody can be in the building and you would feel the presence of Almighty God. A sweet, sweet spirit. And I remember, I specifically remember, three years ago, when God spoke to me in my prayer closet, I was on my knees, my face into the carpet, I was weeping and crying out to God, because in those moments I started to believe what people were telling me. You will never make it. Watch and see. It's very easy after you hear that over and over and over and over, like a repetitive record player on just skipping, you start to believe, I will never succeed. I'll never get to where I'm going. And it was right then, church, in that same defining moment that took place 15 years ago in Ravenna, Ohio, when God spoke to me and said, start a church, that same moment God said, I will give you increase. That's what I heard. I will give you increase. And literally right then, I know what I heard. But then the enemy says, oh really? Did you just see some decrease? And I just remember gasping for air. Like, oh, everything was based on a number. You know, everybody says, you know, success is based on numbers. Well, church, it's not based on numbers. It's based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it has really been very, very cool for me. It's been cool for me to see the excitement of coming back to church. Because I'll take take a decrease with people that want to be in the house of God than have a house that's full just to say, this is my increase. But I'll tell you where God answered and showed himself and revealed himself to me. When he said, listen, Kevin Henry of the Evangelical Congregational Convention, when he said to me, you can have the church property For $125,000, I'm going to let the world know something. You can't even buy a house like that today. But we got 10 acres, a beautiful church building, a parsonage that's worth double that $125,000. I knew right then, God reminded me, and here's what He said, I will give you increase And right then, in my kitchen, on that moment, I'm looking out the back window. I started doing one of these numbers, and I started dancing. And I was like screaming and shouting and running around the house like a maniac. And people were thinking, what is going on with it? Well, thank God nobody was there. I was literally out of control. I was like, glory! Hallelujah! Lord, I feel the Spirit moving. I think my soul train brother is coming out of me. 
I was like, this cannot be happening right now. I've said all along, we're going to have a church campus. We're going higher than we've ever gone before. And I got so excited, I couldn't contain myself. And I'm still trying to contain myself. It just doesn't happen. But when God says, yes, believe for more, He will give it to you. He always does that. God is so faithful, church. He's so faithful to us. If you'll just trust in Him. You see, we, we see that God's call has a threefold emphasis. I'll do this in the next seven minutes. Maybe even five. First, He calls all men everywhere to repentance. That is, He calls for salvation. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, He commands all men everywhere to repent. Repent from your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. Hear my voice and I'll heal you. God wants to do something great in your life. We cannot see God's grace unless we go to Him for repentance. Second, all Christians are called to complete dedication. All Christians are called to complete dedication. Dedication. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. If you are called into this fellowship, stop the running. Get on back here and see God's provisions for your life. Oh, we've all had people leave workplaces because they didn't get their quarter raise. But I know for certain God wanted you there for a reason. Maybe it wasn't about that quarter. Maybe it was about your witness for Christ. We, we, we have a tendency to really lay everything up on the here, the material, the substance, instead of seeing what God really wants to do. If God has called you even to a church, and you're in that church, and you're like, well, I just can't stand the government, or I can't stand what the pastor's wife's doing, or his children, or Uncle Buckus who sits on the third row over there and he's picking his earwax out of his ear. I don't know, but we have put our focus in areas we shouldn't be putting our focus in. Know this, that God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. We have seen God's faithfulness in the ministry. I've seen it in our business. We're celebrating over 25 years of cleaning companies. 25 years, I think this year, in one and a half years' time, we are on our 200th, what was that last invoice? 200 what? For uh, Triton Properties? What's that, 229? 229 stinky, dirty apartments that are empty from tenants that move out. That's why I have palm olive hands. You guys were wondering all the time? No, I don't get a manicure. They're scrubbing grime so that I can continue to be passionate and see God's faithfulness in my life. Number three and last, and then I'll close. God calls to a specific sphere of service or ministry or holy calling. (laughs) Sorry. God calls us to a specific sphere of service or ministry or holy calling. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to His purpose, His grace, which was given to us in Jesus Christ 
before the world began. I could literally preach a message right here. He saved us. He then called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. Hey, church, say this with me. Lord, You've saved me. Called me with a holy calling. Not by my works, according to Your purpose and grace before time began. Hallelujah. Isn't that just great to know? With a holy calling. And as I close, you have to realize that God has matched you with your world. In other words, even though at times you may not feel that you are able to accomplish your dreams, you have to get beyond those feelings and know deep down inside that I have the seed of Almighty God inside of me. And understand this, that God will never put a dream in your heart without first equipping you with everything you need to accomplish it. Let me say this again. God will never put a dream in your heart without first equipping you with everything you need to accomplish it. <sighs> Saved at nine. Baptized at thirteen. Called to preach at 15. And everywhere I was at in those moments, at age nine, at age nine, I went to my mom and I said, Mom, can you tell me how I can get to heaven? Mom says, Sure, son. And she opened up the Bible. I remember that day if I closed my eyes as real as if it were right here, right now. And at 13, that moment when back in the day in every church, baptisms were clear up on the ceiling. You had to climb ladders just to get there. I don't know why they ever did that. But I thought, why would they put a baptism three stories high so everybody down below can see up there? No, can we kind of keep it down low here? Made me feel like when I was a little boy, like, where are they going to take me to? Once they dunk me, will I ever come back up if I have to go three stories down? <laughs> kind of a scary thought, isn't it? So there I was, 13, and I just remembered when I stood up, all four foot five, looking down at all those people. I remembered I saw my mom out there. I saw my dad out there celebrating in my baptism. And I know at age 15, when I was called to preach, I knew things were going to change in my life. You've heard me talk about my dad. I thought he was an amazing businessman. Worked for the Ohio Department of Transportation. Ran Chaparral Windows and Home Improvements. He knew stuff about business. And he taught me all I know about business. That was my schooling. But I remembered in those moments in, in the change of my life, when the world started screaming at me, and I was in school, and people would call me preacher boy. And at that moment in my life, I started being ridiculed, criticized, persecuted. Persecuted at age 15 for being a Christian, for picking up the cross of Christ. And people would say, you'll never make it. You don't even have what it takes to make it as a pastor. But I'm thankful that I realized that there's got to be more 
And that no matter what someone said to me, no matter what people say, no matter the peer pressure that comes my way, no matter what people have told me in the church, that I should talk this way, act this way, walk this way, I should dress this way, I'm going to do my things Jesus' way. That's it. But in the backdrop of all of this, I had a mom who cheered me on. I had a mom who when I went home and I wept and I cried and I said, get me out of the public school system. My friends are embarrassed of me, mom, because I'm now a preacher boy. Tackett, why aren't you drinking, smoking? Why aren't you doing, horn around and doing the things that we are doing? What, do you think you're a goody two-shoes? Oh, you're pure. What are you, gay? Always criticizing judging always trying to put me down and I realized that if I was ever going to stretch to the next level that I have to believe what my mom has to say and she would say son someday they'll all stand up for you someday they'll cheer you on when I got that diploma I remembered People standing and cheering. And cheering me on. Wait a minute, but just a few years ago they were putting me down for my stand in Christ and today they're cheering me on. My mom was right. Then I married a godly woman and her name's Becky. And she took the baton that my mom had and in those moments when I said, I just want to quit the ministry. This is harder than I ever thought. I have got to quit. I can't stand it. One minute they love me, the next minute they hate me. One minute... They love my family. The next minute, they've unfriended us on Facebook. They've blocked us, and then they scribbled out my face in their yearbook. I don't know, but reality is this. It's real. And so, church, in order to press on and believe for more, we can't do it in man. We have to do it through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Messiah. And even the woman at the well, after she realized that Jesus Christ was the Messiah in John chapter 4, she came and she told all the townspeople, come meet your Savior. And so I'm not giving up until the Lord says, it is time to expire, Todd. There's more in store for you. I don't want you to give up, church. I don't want anybody to give up through this pandemic. Right now, right here, today, make this a a time and a place where you will say, today I will rise higher. I understand that God has saved me, that He has called me with a holy calling. Not by my works am I doing anything. This church is not an imprint of your pastor. It is an imprint of my DNA. And I am blessed to be able to share the experiences of my lifetime with each and every person. This may be the beginning of your chapter. This may be the middle of your book. This may be the conclusion of your book. But church, press on. Rise higher. Stretch to the next level. And say with me, as for me and my house, yes, we will serve the Lord. So I stand up here, a victor.
not a victim. I stand up here a winner, not a whiner. I stand before you today anointed, favored, sold out, separated because of Jesus Christ, Almighty God who planted a seed within me, who gave me a mom 50 years ago and put people in my path to walk up to me and take that key to where that lock was on my heart, unlock it, and explode the potential that's within me. I want that for you. God wants that for you. Don't you ever look back. Let go. Let God, when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. Today's your day of victory. Embrace it. Let's all rise as we sing and as we close. Father God, we love you. And we thank you that today we can come before you. That we can reach higher and go places we've never gone before. That, Lord, we can step out by faith. Not by our will, but by your will. May it be done in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, help us to accomplish the things. Not by our will, but by your will. So, Father God, we thank you that you are continually reshaping us. Remolding us. Helping us to get where you want us to go. So, God, we will not believe the things that we've heard from our past. We will not believe what people have to say to us about us. For, God, we rest in your word. And we will hide your words in our heart. And we will not sin against you. And, God, today we run in victory. For we are on the winning side. And God, right now, I pray that you'll just touch that certain someone that needs you. God, I pray that you'll help them from their hurt, deliver them from their past, free them from the pain. Let them stand up and know that your word is true. And we can count it all joy. And we know that all things that you provide. And all the strength that we get comes from you. So God, we love you. We praise you. Unlock the seed that you've implanted within our hearts and help us run the race that was set before us as we press on. In Jesus' name, amen.